With the example of Father Capon, we are given a model of how to be hope to a hopeless world, to be light to a dark world, to be so filled with joy that people desire to be around us. There's an urgency in the world right now. I want to enter the mission territory. In fact, the Lord has called all of us into this battle for souls. He's not given anybody a pass on that. Welcome to the foxhole. This is Jason Searle, and I'm honored to serve as chairman of Capon's Men. And on behalf of all of us at Capon's Men, I'd like to welcome you to this very special edition of the foxhole. Our podcast helps carry on the legacy of the most highly decorated chaplain in United States Army history, servant of God, Father Emil Capon, who gave his life serving his men on the battlefields and in the prisoner of war camps of Korea. This week, we're honored to host Father Capon's nephew, Ray Capon, who's been a great friend to Capon's men, participating in our retreats, our video series, and offering us encouragement through the years. They'll be joined by Father John Hotze, who's making his second trip to the foxhole. Father John is a dear friend to Ray and to us, serving as the Episcopal Delegate for Father Capon's cause for beatification and canonization. We've been blessed to share Father Capon's story through this podcast, and we've been humbled at the fantastic examples of faith who have joined us each week. Our guests have included past senior military officers, chaplains, bishops, a Medal of Honor recipient, Catholic College presidents, and so many more. Our upcoming episodes feature fantastic examples from religious life, a former test pilot and space shuttle commander, as well as those who join us on the Father Capon pilgrimage every year. While we have these two great friends today to share more of Father Capon's story, we want to remind you that you can discover more about Father Capon's life and story at capensmen.com, where you can listen to over 50 free episodes of The Foxhole in their entirety, and you can watch all of our content for free at our website. Father Capon lived the gospel message of Jesus Christ by following the call of discipleship to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. It's been said that most would rather see a great homily live than to hear one preached. Father Capon, according to the men who served with him, did this every day in the virtues that he lived, the stewardship he practiced, and by embodying the Beatitudes along his pilgrimage here on earth that culminated in his premature death and he took his place along our Savior, Jesus Christ, where he undoubtedly heard the words the evangelists share and that we all long to hear. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Father Capon never ceased to call all of us to sainthood by his example, and the fact that he has been found is cause for joy, and we rightfully celebrate in the wake of this news. Father Capon would also be the first to tell us that while our joy is understandable, we cannot forget and we must never tire of striving to bring home the over 7,500 service members from the Korean conflict who remain unaccounted for, as well as all of those from other foreign wars who have not yet been able to rightfully come home. We express our sincere gratitude for the Defense POWMIA Accounting Agency and the hard work that they do on behalf of the bravest amongst us. Their resiliency and fortitude led to finding Father Capon, and on behalf of all of us, we thank them and want to bestow upon them our prayers for their continued important work, that they may continue to reunite unaccounted service members and their families. We are now going to ask Joe Ferris to lead us with a prayer, and on this special episode, it's my honor and privilege to introduce and welcome both Ray and Father John. Welcome, brothers, and thanks for joining us in the Foxhole. Thank you, Jason, for that wonderful introduction, and thank you to everyone who has downloaded the podcast today. What a blessing and honor to spend some time with you, and what a great honor it is to have not just one guest today, but two. 
So before we jump into the conversation, I'm just going to ask everyone to, to be in a position where you can pray, maybe for just a second. Let's, let's pray a prayer of thanksgiving for all the great things that have come through the, the, the movement of Capon's men and the calls of Father Capon. I mean, just all the, the places where this story is being told over and over again. So I invite you in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for what you've done. We thank you for what you're doing. And we thank you for what you're going to do. And we ask you, Lord, just to be with each of us. I pray, Lord, for uh, Ray and for Father John, who joined us in the foxhole today, God. I just pray that uh, they are at peace and that they can share um, this amazing story that we have all shared in. And I just ask Father Capon today especially to pray for us um, that anyone listening uh, realizes yet again um, that that nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. So I ask Father Capon to pray for everyone who's listening today to put us in a position to receive great news and to be grateful for things that uh, we are able to see in this lifetime. We ask all these things through the sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of our Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So, uh, you friends, we got big-time guests in the foxhole today. So, Ray, Ray Capen, welcome to the foxhole. Are you out there, friend? Oh, thank you very much. It is absolutely great to be here. It is an honor to have you. And we didn't just bring Ray. We also have with Ray Father John Hotze. Father John, are you out there? I'm here also. Thank you for having me. You are a return guest, but it's exciting to have both of you. And I know for those that are listening, um, they're ready for me to get right in in what news we're speaking of. Father John, I think the, the question that's on everyone's mind at this point is, how did Father Capon's body get from Korea to Hawaii, and how on earth uh, would they have identified him? Um, well, it's kind of a long story, so if you'll bear with me. Um, after the Korean War, uh, the North Koreans and the United States, or actually the United Nations Forces, entered into an agreement of returning the remains of soldiers to the respective countries. So right after the war, um, the United States received the remains of hundreds of uh, soldiers that had been killed. And of those, uh, I think we have to kind of understand what what it means when these remains were, were returned. Some of those remains had two or three people in a box. Uh, some of them had uh, considerably more people in a box. Um, and some of those remains were just partial remains. Uh, it could have been a few bones from one person would be all the remains that were left. So when they were returned, it provided or it um, was a, a challenge for the Department of Defense uh, to try to name all of the soldiers that had been killed. Um, the uh, uh, North Koreans did provide a list, um, and some of those remains were were marked um, as uh, certain individuals. Uh, typically, in the the army um, or the military. Uh, that's what the dog tags would be for, would be to identify the remains. I mean, the dog tags would have been left on the the, the bodies, uh, but the North Koreans took the dog tags, so none of the bodies. The only the ones that were named were named um, solely by the North Koreans, so there was no way to check into it. Um, the remains of one man was were identified as Father Capon by the North Koreans. 
and they started to do work and and try to um, confirm uh, those that had listed or those that had been named. Uh, in this one man that had been identified as Father Capon by the North Koreans, uh, they did tests on, and they found out that it was actually the remains of somebody that was much younger, um, and it was somebody that was in their late teens or early 20s. So they knew that, that it wasn't Father Capon. I mean, Father Capon was 35 when he passed away. So they were able to identify the remains of that person. So the, they knew it wasn't Father Capon. Um, and they continued to try to identify as many of the remains as they could. Um, unfortunately, they never did identify Father Capon's remains uh, in that, that first effort. So the ones that were not, not identified uh, were taken to... Uh, Hawaii, what's known as the Punch Bowl. Uh, the Punch Bowl is a national cemetery there in Hawaii where um, soldiers uh, and, and, and sailors from the Second World War, um, from the Korean War, uh, also from the Vietnam War are, are interred there at the National Cemetery there in, in Hawaii. Um, they received the name the Punch Bowl because of the shape of the land that it was in. I mean, it's just a large indentation. Um, I believe it was originally, um, thousands of years ago, a, a crater um, from a volcano. Um, but th this is where they, they were buried, and they were buried in individual graves, uh, and they were just labeled as uh, the, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldiers. Um, the Department of Defense over the years has actively tried to identify the remains of, the, of these men. Uh, and there were still men from World War II that had yet to be identified, men from the Korean War and men from the, the, the uh, Vietnam War. Uh, so it was quite a task for them to do it. And, uh, I mean, the military took, took great care and took great pride in doing this. I mean, it was kind of that concept of n never leaving anybody behind. Uh, so, and one of the things that the military has always done is taken care of or did everything they could to take care of those that were killed on the battlefield. Um, so anyway, Father Capon's remains were there in those that were returned. Um, some hope was renewed um, during our investigation of Father Capon's life. Uh, during our, that investigation, a man came forward, a man named, his name was William Hansen, uh, and he lived in Naples, Florida. He had retired down to Florida. He had originally lived in, in New York City. Um, he came across one of the, the Knights of Columbus, Columbia magazines. And it just so happened to be an uh, issue that they had run an article on Father Capon. Uh, so they had the picture of Father Capon saying mass on the hood of the Jeep on the cover of their magazine. And this William Hansen recognized him uh, and recognized him as uh, the priest that he buried. Um, William Hansen had been in the, the POW camp uh, along with Father Capon, and he had actually been taken to the, the death house a few days before Father Capon. Uh, he had pneumonia, and they did not think he was going to live, so they took him to the, the death, death house. Well, William Hansen started to get better. Um, and he was there when Father Capon came to the death house. And actually, William Hansen had helped Father Capon uh, while they were there at the, the POW camp. William Hansen would go with, with Father Capon into the other camp hospitals where they would keep drugs, uh, and actually, they were actually working hospitals as opposed to a place where 
they just put somebody to die. And either Father Capon or he would kind of cause a disturbance. And once they caused, started that dis- disturbance and got people's attention, the other one would go to the cabinet where they kept drugs. And they would take out vials of drugs and, and smuggle them out of the hospital. And these drugs they were able to take to the, the doctors, the American doctors that had been imprisoned, and they were able to give them to them so that they might be able to use them to, to help out the soldiers that were ill. Um, so like I say, Father, Father Capon and, and this William Hansen were pretty good friends. Um, when they were in the death house, um, Father Capon let it be known that he did not want to be buried in one of the mass graves. Um, when, when they were to bury the dead, uh, a, a guard would come and he would just point to three of the POWs. And those three POWs were the ones that were responsible to carry out the dead and bury them. Um, so they would usually, they would have to dig, dig graves by hand. Uh, and then do the best they could with, with their hands, and then they would bury the person. Well, as the, the winter got colder and as the ground started to freeze, uh, the only place they could bury them was along the Yalu River in these mass graves that they had dug out. Uh, so that's where the majority of the prisoners had been buried for years. I mean, ever since the Korean War was over, we assumed that Father Capon had been buried in one of these mass graves. Uh, well, then, this William Hansen came forward, uh, and he told us his story. And he said that, no, that he buried Father Capon, and he wasn't in one of the mass graves. Um, the, the death house was actually a bombed-out pagoda. Um, and on either side of the death house, uh, there was a row of huts. And William Hansen said it was one of the strangest things. He said the, the guard came and pointed to him and to another man and told him they needed to go bury Father Capon after he died. Uh, so he said they picked up Father Capon, and they were carrying him outside. Um, and he said then the guard didn't follow. And he said they were shocked that the guard didn't follow. They had no idea why he didn't come out. Well, when nobody came out, they decided that they wouldn't take Father Capon down to one of the mass graves. And they went out, out um, behind one of these rows of huts. Um, on one side, the huts were used for storage, but on the other side, the huts were just empty. So they took him over to one of the, the empty huts. It had a lean-to on the back of it, um, and they buried him underneath this lean-to. Um, and this was May 23rd. Um, William Henson was telling us that the ground was still pretty frozen, and he said they were able to dig down maybe a foot or a foot and a half. Um, and that was Father Capon's grave. He said they... They buried him, and he said they knew that it was pretty shallow. Uh, so they went and they collected as many rocks as they possibly could uh, to put on top of the grave also, uh, just to protect Father Capon's remains. Uh, so that's where he remained until after, after the war was over. Um, so as time went on, like I say, the, the, the Operation Glory was the name of the, the, the exchange of the remains of the, the, the soldiers that had been killed. So Operation Glory had gone on, like I say, hundreds, the bodies of hundreds of us soldiers were returned. Um, of those, there were about 75 they knew came from the, around the, the area of prison camp number five that had been interred in the punch bowl. Uh, several times over the years, the, the, the Department of Defense and those that worked with trying to identify the remains uh, have kind of made a concerted effort. I know, I know currently they're trying to catch up because it seems like 
many of those remains from the Korean War had had been um, not not really neglected, but the other other wars had taken precedence over them. So they kind of had a renewed effort to to kind of catch up uh, with with those from the Korean War. Um, so this is how the the finding of Father Capon came about. Um, was they they would exhume the bodies one at a time, uh, and then tr- do everything they could to try to uh, to uh, find out who that that the, those remains were. A um, couple other things happened along the way. Uh, when they were interring the remains after the Korean War, this would have been back in 1954. Um, or around that time, um, they thought that they would try to do what they could to make sure the remains were preserved. Well, the remains were dipped in a solution, uh, and unfortunately, that solution killed off the DNA. Um, so they were afraid that they were not going to be able to have any good, perfect DNA matches. Um, I've been told that they've developed some new technology uh, and this new technology allowed them to take um, like a scraping of one of the bones and they would use some kind of solution in that for it to either re-enliven or to pull, pull up the, the, the DNA uh, that they had once thought had been been ruined. Uh, and that was how they were able to identify Father Capon was with a DNA match. Uh, they had the DNA uh, sample from his brother Eugene, so they were able to do that DNA match uh, they had some um, dental records that they were able to, to show or would demonstrate were Father Capon's uh, dental records. Um, so it matched the, the remains also. Uh, so it really is kind of just a miraculous that they were able to find them. Um, the other miraculous uh, thing that we have heard is that uh, they said that of his skeletal remains that it's about 95% there. And uh, just just that in, in itself, I think, is miraculous. That's that's pretty amazing, Father John. And I, I'm, you know, we always complain about technology, but my goodness, technology was certainly helpful in all of this. Uh, Ray, I'd love to to jump over to you, Ray, and I'd love to hear how it was for you when you got the news that they had found the body of Father Capon. Uh, yeah, Joe. We had started off. It was just a. Um, just a regular Thursday, like any Thursday, working at home. Seems how we're all locked down, basically. And um, uh, we had a phone call come in, and nobody, my wife and I, neither one of them recognized the phone number, so we just let it go to voicemail. And I was up in my office, and my wife came up a little bit later, and she's like, uh, "You may want to, you may want to take this and call this guy back. It's somebody who says he's from Fort Knox, and he has, uh, he wants to talk to you about your uncle." And uh, so I ended up calling him back and got a hold of uh, Michael on the phone. And first thing he asked is if I was sitting down or not. And I was like, okay, I, yeah, I'm sitting down. Um, and that's when he told me that they had positively identified uh, Father Emil's remains and that, that he was in the had to, was in the punch bowl at the military cemetery in Hawaii. And um, once I picked myself up off the floor and just had the tears stop flowing, it was um, it, it was just. It was just something beyond, way beyond anything that I ever, ever envisioned ever hearing. I just, I, it's like I've told a lot of people that if I would have been less surprised if Father Hotsey would have called me and said that Father Emma was dedicated as a saint, um, as what this news was. It just, it, I just never thought either see it in my lifetime or didn't think I'd ever see it happen, period. Uh, 
Yeah, I think a lot of us, Ray, when we heard that news, will probably very well remember the space we were staying in or the place we were. I know for me in particular, I remember getting a call from someone from uh, Kansas to tell me the great news. So what, beyond uh, just you, Ray, what does this mean for the rest of your family um, in this process? Well, you know, I have, we've had a lot of people that keep saying, well, that, you know, this must be closure for you guys and it must be great to have closure. And, and I know myself and I know my brothers and sisters can kind of look at it the same way. We don't see it as a closure. We see it as his next step and what his legacy is and what his legacy has been. Um, I mean, his his name and what he did and, and how he's helped others and all the, the miracles attributed to him. Um, I mean, this just increases his presence. This just, I mean, to to actually to actually have his remains and for his remains to have been basically intact. Uh, I, I mean, I we basically see it as a miracle. I mean, it, you know, our grandma always talked about you know someday he was going to come home, and she never gave up hope. I mean, she she believed he was going to come home, and he finally did. Yeah, I think that word hope is certainly a word we all use a lot um, in Capon's men and when we talk about Father Capon in particular. So I want to switch uh, from Ray to Father John. Father John, this is a big deal for you too. I mean, you've served the lead role in the diocese, done a tremendous amount of work on the calls uh, for Father Capon. So what does the, what, what the, the news really mean to you, Father, not only for your work, but to you personally after all these years of dedication? Um, well, I'd have to agree with Ray. Um, when Ray called me with the news, um, I was just kind of dumbfounded. I mean, I didn't know what to say. Um, I could probably give you a list of easily a hundred things that I would have expected that call to be other than the news of his remains being returned or his remains being found. Um, as far as me personally, um, I, I think what Ray had said is very appropriate. It's one of the steps or the next step in, in, uh, this process of, of Father Capon's canonization. Um, and I don't mean that that's just, just a block that you were, that you check off and say, okay, we've been there and done that. Um, but I think it is important to think of the magnitude of this. And even if Father Capon was not being considered for sainthood, uh, if it was just somebody that, I mean, some Joe Blow from, from Kansas and that the remains were found after 70 years um, and that that he was finally coming home. Uh, I mean, that in itself is just, just great news. Um, but when you think about Father Capon and his canonization process and the, the thousands of people that we have that are now looking towards Father Capon um, for a spiritual guidance and and for the, for Father Capon to help instill hope back in them uh, because many times people are just kind of stuck and especially this past year when all almost all this stuff has been going on um, and then something like this happens and it kind of renews our ability to hope um, I don't I don't know about other people but um, while I had always hoped that his remains would be returned um, I'd pretty much given up on it um, and I was thinking, I mean, in the process, I have, have encountered people that had said that he, that they were sure that he would probably be in, in, uh, in the punch bowl in, in Honolulu. Um, but I've w- worked avenues of trying to find out about that. Um, 
I I even had a, a woman who was on her honeymoon and and uh, in Honolulu, and she told me that she would go and and walk the graves at at the punch bowl and and uh, uh, pray for Father Capon's intercession. And and uh, uh, another friend had said that he was sure that that if if somebody walked over Father Capon's grave and and uh, knew, knew of him that, that the miracle would occur and this woman said I'll be willing to do it I'll be willing to do it so so uh, uh, I, I haven't talked to her yet but I'm going to tell her she just picked the wrong grave to walk over uh, but, but we've been like I say we've been thinking about this for, for so many years and it's just been placed on the back burner so uh, I mean this is something that, that literally leaves you speechless Yeah, I think for each of us, there's a tremendous amount of um, just peace associated with this. And, and John Paul II, I think, is quoted as saying, there are no coincidences uh, for people of faith. And I think there's not, it's not a coincidence that at this time, at this moment, uh, this great news uh, comes out. So, Ray, I, I'm going to jump back to you. I think immediately, and I would include myself in this group, um, everyone who heard this news, immediately thought, okay, this is incredible, now what's next? So give us a little idea of maybe some things that are um, happening and maybe praying about and dreaming about as we begin to move forward with the news we've received. Well, we're still working out all the details of of a time frame of bringing his remains back and uh, the location and you know, there's. I know we're working with uh, families, uh, working with Father Hotsey and the bishop and the and Wichita diocese, of um, of a time frame. I mean, we've got you know we've still got this virus going on and and you know in, somewhat in lockdown, although there's you know different stages of it in different locations. But we want to be able to we want to be able to make sure this is a a celebration that everyone that everyone can be a part of who wants to be a part of it. Um, now I. Totally know Father Amel would would be 100% against all the attention and all of the the notoriety he's getting, and you know he would just be a simple just you know put me in a grave and I'm, I'm don't worry about me. But we also know you know the importance that that people that 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 people totally feel in him that people have have put their faith in his hands that have prayed to him over and over for great things and great intercessions and small things and. And the last thing we want to do is to is to minimize any of that, and just for everyone to be able to know that it is going to be a, a great celebration when he comes home. I mean, it's just uh, I know the the POWs when I talked to him, um, it was just amazing what these guys. I mean, they you know they they like us never thought we'd ever see this day. You know, they just it, they just knew it would never happen. And and for the ones that are are still alive to actually get to, to witness this and to and to have their have their padre come home. I mean that 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 it just you can't describe the feeling you get when you talk to them how they feel right now. Um, I've had uh, Bailey Galipsky's called me three times since uh, since I talked to him when I when we talked about his remains being found and you know where, where, where when's he coming back when's he uh, you know I, I want to know why you know I, and it just I mean these guys really do they really do see their their friend and as one of them put they they finally see their brother coming home finally yeah I would I can only imagine those phone calls with those POWs right that had to have been a powerful moment. 
Um, I, I'm going to go back to Father John for a second and maybe speak a little bit more in a practical area. Um, one would assume that having Father Capon's remains might not have had a huge bearing on the cause, um, but we've actually kind of spoken a few times that it would have been very helpful now. So can you explain that a little bit for our audience, Father John, how that's potentially good for the cause moving forward? Yeah, I, I think it could um, be very beneficial for the cause. Um, in in the process of canonization, uh, when somebody's name is uh, given to the Congregation for Saints as a possible uh, sainthood, um, one of the first steps is that the person is named a servant of God, and that's done after kind of an initial uh, investigation of all the all the uh, the castries over in Rome, uh, just to make sure that there's nothing that would prevent that person from being named a saint. Um, but in that process, they ask the people that petitioned uh, for that that sainthood. Uh, to make sure that the remains of the alleged or saint or that, that person to be made safe. Um, and they have a process of this being done. I mean, the, the, the bishop of the diocese in which the person um, is interred is to go to that grave um, and to make sure that grave is, is secure. Uh, and if it is not secure, they're supposed to um, bring the remains or take the remains and place them in a place that is secure. Uh, and there's a variety of reasons for that. I mean, for, uh, I mean, basically for people raiding graves for, for relics, for one thing, uh, but also to protect the remains, um, from even any evil that, that might, might happen to them. Uh, you have to remember, I mean, in, in this whole process, what the, the sainthood process does is bring people closer to God. So the devil or evil is going to do what it can to prevent that from happening. And desecrating the remains of a, of a, uh, maybe future saint could uh, be easily be a way that that happens. So the first step in the process is to make sure the remains are in a safe place. Um, so when Father uh, Capon comes back home, we'll have to do the same thing to make sure that, that he is interred in a safe place. And this place, the safe place does not necessarily have to be, um, the, the the permanent resting place for for his remains. Uh, it can be done on a temporary basis, and then if and when he is canonized a saint, they may very well be moved to another place um, for veneration by the faithful. Um, so that's kind of the nuts and bolts of it, as far as the 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 cause is concerned. But on a more important aspect of it. One of the things that the Congregation for Saints always looks for uh, when they are considering canonization is for the cult, and I use that in terms of a good cult, in a, as in terms of a, of a, of a following, um, that, that this person to be named a saint has a positive following. Um, and the greater that following is, is a greater indication um, that that this person is a saint in heaven and that people have already started to follow his example and emulate what he says and does and realize that that is going to be a way or maybe a possible means for their own salvation. That if they follow the example of this person who we know is in heaven and has been de- been declared a saint, um, then that may very well be your road also. Um, or just even to see the, the, the goodness of the, the, this person. Uh, and to think, well, I need to be good like he is good, or I need to be Christ-like like he is Christ-like. 
for I need to be servant as he is servant. And the greater this is, the more people that that congregation for saints uh, can see this, the easier their job will be. I mean, because the proof is already there. The proof is is being lived out in the reality of people, everyday people's lives, uh, because of the goodness that is that they are presented. But then the goodness that that uh, they are able to present the rest of the world. And his remains returning um, will, will only benefit that or only help that. I was always amazed at the the outpouring of of people and their interest in, in Father Capon's cause when he received the Medal of Honor. Um, but I'd say the the outpouring of people from the news of his his remains returning uh, is probably about twice what it was for the Medal of Honor. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Ray and I'm sure Scott will attest to the fact that, that the phones have been ringing like they have never rung before with people being interested, um, news media, the social media want, wanting more information, uh, people just eager for any news that they can get of, of this great event. So in, in that regard, it will be a great boon for, for his cause for canonization. Um, as the, the Congregation for Saints finds this or sees this and and can witness this, that there is something going on not only here in Kansas, uh, but in the United States and in the world. People following Father Capon. Amen. Amen to that. I know the places that I travel, people that have either never heard his story or um, never been involved, they're just moved by this beautiful story. So, Father John, this is in in, in some ways a ray of light. Um, which is in a time when, you know, as the storm clouds are starting to move in our nation and our world, we're starting to see the light kind of creep in. Now, what what lessons would you say this news has for everyone listening today, um, and really for the church as a whole? When I interviewed the prisoners of war um, and asked them about Father Capon, uh, one of the things that all of the prisoners have said and that all of them continue to say, is that Father Capon was a man of hope. Um, And they said that he was able to instill hope in the men of the POW camp. And all of them will attest to the fact, and they'll say that they do not know that they would have made it out of the POW camp if it had not been their relationship with Father Capon, and Father Capon instilling that hope in them. When you look at how Father Capon did that, uh, Father Capon was an individual that was able to elicit hope from these men uh, and elicit that hope at a time when they all should have been hopeless. They were in the prisoner war camp. They were having to deal with indoctrinations into the communist way of life. Um, That was all they heard from their captors was how communism was good. Uh, Western culture, your religion, your faith, is bad. And they did everything they could to pound that into the men on a daily basis. Um, Yet Father Capon was able to turn that around. Uh, He was able to turn that around and make sure that the men didn't see it as a hopeless case or a hopeless cause, um, but as a a means that there was hope. There was hope in everything. As you mentioned in the beginning of this hour, that, that anything is possible with God. And that's what Father Capon did to instill or that That's how Father Capon instilled that hope back into them, was by, by professing that, that fact. 
Um, the next thing he did, which I think probably is the most effective way to alleviate this hopelessness, was that Father Capon showed each and every man there that they were of value. Um, he taught the men that what they needed to do and what they needed to do in that prison camp is look at each other and take care of each other. If that meant sharing food that you might have had, if that meant giving up your warmer spot in the hut, if that meant helping you and cleaning your filthy clothes, or if that meant helping you pick the lice off of your body, or if that meant uh, being there and, and helping you get to a doctor that was not, not uh, an easy thing to do, um, that, that's what they did. And they, so they realized that the person next to them, the person that they might have befriended in that prisoner war camp, their life may very well depend on what they are doing. So somebody else's life depends on whether or not you choose to be a servant. And that's what gave them hope because they knew that they were needed. They knew that there were others out there that, that, that would value their, their work, that would, eva- would value what they were doing, would be eternally grateful that they came and gave them a helping hand, that gave them food when they may very well have starved to death if they didn't have that food. Um, so I, I think that's the key to, to Father Capon, and I think that's the key uh, when we're talking about the return of his remains, um, is it instills hope in us in this dark time. I mean, this past year has been terrible for everybody, uh, even, even for those that it hasn't been too bad for. I mean, they, they see the plight of people here around them, and it's like, we want this to be over, but how can we do anything about this virus that none of us know that much about, none of us can really control until the last few weeks when they finally have been able to get out vaccine? Uh, but it's still like, how, would, how do we get back to where we were before? Well, it's going to be being a servant, being of use to others, uh, being that person that reaches out. And that's what's going to give our, our lives value again. That's what's going to make our lives matter again. It's when we realize that other people need us and our lives are of value. So we need to use our lives to the best of our ability. Uh, that's strong, Father John. Ray, I would love to give you uh, the last word on this. Anything that you might add to what Father John has said or, or maybe even anything through your lens um, that you think Father Capon's message Uh, to those listening today? You know, I think the biggest message that all of this, I mean, like I said, as miraculous as this is, um, I know Father would say that this isn't about him. I know he would say, you know, that the center of attention shouldn't be on me. I think he would say that, you know, now is a time, like Father, like Father Hotze said, now is a time for hope. I mean, for this to have happened, um, when I don't think anybody anybody realized or even expected that this would ever happen, for this to just happen totally out of the blue, um, it is just incredible. I know uh, Father was talking about about the lady who was walking the punch bowl, and I'd actually went there after the uh, Medal of Honor in uh, like late 2013 is when I'd went over there uh, for work. And uh, actually got to tour the uh, facility, the DPAA, where they do all the research and, and go through all the painstaking details to try to identify remains. And um, and went through all that and you know, had the discussion of you know what they thought if his remains might be in the in the punch bowl or not. And 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 at that point they said you know it was it could be a 50-50 chance 
Um, but but at that time and frame, they weren't they weren't aggressively exhuming bodies to try to identify them like they are now, to where they would, there had to be a reason why they would exhume a body or exhume the remains, um, have some specific reason, and not just exhuming and, and going that point on. And one of the things they had said is, you know, you should just walk walk the section of the unknown soldiers and the Korean unknown soldiers, and and uh, ended up doing that. And I actually dug up some pictures that I had taken when I was out there, and had taken a couple pictures of of uh, the markers. And I was actually one row over from where Father Ramel had been, so I knew I walked right past his grave as well, too. But but he would look at this as, yeah, it's it's. It's now a time of hope. It's now a time when you you can't give up hope. I mean, and this is an absolutely perfect example of of the time. And and like Father Hatzi said, the, what this year, last year has been, and all the all the pain and suffering that everybody has gone through, um, to have this have this ray of hope to shine in, and for to have, I guess for me, it's um, it's something to grab onto. It's something to to grab on and hold close to your heart and hold close to your prayers, knowing that not just that he's coming home, but that he's coming home. I mean, like I said, the chances of this, anybody thinking this was going to happen, was so out of the blue and so extraordinary that it, how much can change in your life in a moment, whether good or bad, but just how much can change in your life. And he's just a perfect example of what prayer can do and what hope can do, and what, and basically what believing can do. Because, like I said, I, I, my grandmother would just, she would, she would cry when she would just, you know, hope for such a long time. You know, and, she, and he hoped, she hoped for a long time that he was going to be alive, that she wouldn't accept that he had, he had died. And, and then when she finally accepted that, she just, you know, was going to do everything short of actually trying to go to North Korea to, to go try to find the remains. So, um, for this moment in time, for him to come home now, I, I, like Father said, I don't think there's any coincidences. I, that everything has a meaning, and I, I don't think we've even even scratched the surface of what this what this means to everybody at this point. So, friends, if you're listening to this holy conversation, I mean, you're here um, just to, to the man or woman or a young man or young woman who's downloaded this. Um, there, it's easy to fall into despair, especially after the last year of our life. Um, Father Capon is a strong, powerful intercessor, and what an opportunity we have uh, to enter into that hope and to, to be people of hope. Ray, I am honored to have spent any time with you. I find you to be a, an inspiration, and I just want you and your family to know that, that I'm praying for you, and I'm just uh, excited for you as well. Uh, so I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, to pray us off the podcast today, um, but but go into that with the confidence. And you know, there's a whole army of people praying for you, and there are a whole lot of people that look up to your uncle in a powerful way. So if you don't mind praying us off the podcast, I would certainly appreciate it. Absolutely, thank you, Lord Jesus. In the midst of the folly of war, your servant, Chaplain Amal Capon, spent himself in total service to you on the battlefields and then the prison camps of Korea until his death at the hands of his captors. We now ask you, Lord Jesus, if it be your will, to make known to all the world the holiness of Chaplain Capon and the glory of his complete sacrifice for you by signs of miracle and peace. In your name, Lord, we ask, for you are the source of peace, the strength of our service to others, and our final hope. Amen. 
servant of God, Father Amel Pond, please pray for us. Thank you so much, Ray and Father John, for taking the time to talk to us today. This really is exciting news, and we're so grateful for both of you for being willing to share it with us and to continue to help us carry on Father Capon's legacy. Now, I have to say, when I heard the news that Father Capon's body had been identified, I could barely contain myself from running down the halls, jumping and shouting the good news to all of my coworkers. Thankfully, I didn't have to keep it quiet for long, and like you said, Father John, the outpouring of interest and excitement that we've received has been really incredible to see. And honestly, I can't wait to bring him home, to give him a proper funeral mass, to see the lines of people waiting to pay him respects and to pray at his tomb. But what I'm most eager for is that after all of that passes, maybe I'll get a little bit of quiet time with him myself and be able to finally meet more fully this man that we think is a saint. And speaking of that, my final thought is that I hope this great news reignites a fervor in us to pray for the continued success of Father Capon's cause for sainthood that it inspires us to imitate his life more fully and to share his story with everyone we meet. That's the best way to honor him and help his life serve an even greater cause. And as always, as we go, we leave you with the words and the blessing of the future saint himself. We can surely expect that in our own lives there will come a time when we must make a choice between being loyal to the true faith or of giving allegiance to something else which is either opposed to or not in alliance with our faith. O God, we ask of Thee to give us the courage to be ever faithful to Thee. Blessed are they who suffer persecution for justice' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. May the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of you. Amen.